Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Podcast. More information about Saving Grace is available at savinggracesda.org. Happy Sabbath, everyone. You will agree with me that that was a lovely, lovely song. And you learned that only two days ago. You're good. Yes, I listened. Weak and lonely sinner. Come to Jesus and live. And then the next verse says something another. Then it says, call on Jesus and live. And then it says, cry to Jesus and live. And dance for Jesus. And then fly to Jesus and live. It is indeed a wonderful opportunity to be here again at Saving Grace SDA Church. We had a wonderful time last year. And the same God of yesterday, he is the same God of today. And he has promised that he will uh, be with us. He said, build me a center that I may dwell amongst you. And I know that he's here. He won't be passing by today. He is here today. He has promised us the Holy Spirit's power. He said the Spirit will come and it will give us power to be witnesses. I have been witnessing in Jerusalem. And I've been witnessing in Judea. And now he has sent me to the uttermost part of the world. And I say, praise the Lord. He has also promised that the Holy Spirit will reveal all things. And will lead us into all truth. I totally depend on God. You see, I was not taught in the ministry. I'm not a theologian. I did not go to college to study. I studied at the feet of Jesus. Amen. You said, he said in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, including women and children. And for that, I stand here as a living testimony to that. It is only God and God alone. Thank you, my sister, for that wonderful, those wonderful words of introduction. And as you heard, we are from St. Lizzie Bless. Not only best, but bless. Yes. So we are from St. Lizzie Bless and also St. Lizzie Best. Praise the Lord for that. All right. The topic this morning is Satan will sift you. My friends, we are living in the very last days. And the battle is getting hotter. I don't know if you have felt it here or you're feeling it here. But I know back home we are feeling it. You see, the Bible says that the devil comes out with great wrath. Not you? Because he knows he has what? A short time. And only we believe that so we have long, long time live. And all our plans are for 2040, 2050 and beyond. But the devil knows that he has a short time. And that is why he does not take leave. He is never too sick to do his work. He is never too tired to offend us. He's always on the alert. And that is why today, this message 
is a warning to us. Satan will sift you. Let us pray. Our great God, our creator, our redeemer, our savior, our soon coming king, we pause just a moment to say thank you for loving us. While we were yet sinners, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And we say thank you. While we were yet sinners, Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He allowed himself to be pierced in the side. Lord, the blood that oozed from his vein was done while we were yet sinners. And we say thank you. Lord, we have come now to accept you as our Savior and Lord of our lives. But as we travel through the wilderness of sin, Father, we have failed thee. We have murmured. We have complained. We have not done those things that you want us to do. And for that, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. And that you will help us. You will give us this strength. You will help us, Lord, to pick up and move on. Father, this sermon has been prepared. I believe this is coming from your throne room. And today you have chosen me as that mouthpiece that you would use. So I'm asking that you'll touch my brain cells. Lord, touch my lips. And although it is a prepared written sermon, but if there's anything else that you want to communicate to us through me, do it, mighty God. Now, Father, hide me behind the rock and let Jesus alone be seen and let Jesus alone be heard and let your words go forth with power from on high so that it will touch the hearts of those of us who are playing church. It will touch the hearts of those who are halting between two opinions. It will touch the heart, Lord, of those who don't even know themselves yet. It will touch each heart and it will do the work that it was sent here for. We thank thee that you have heard our request. And I know, Lord, that you have answered because you wish above all things that all, Lord, should, we should come to repentance and that we should live. Thanks for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. A great Scottish author once wrote this. No words can express what the world owes to sorrow. And I wanted to pay attention. And at first it did not, you know, it did not reach me the way he intended it to. But I went over it and over it. And I tell you, the message came through. No words can express what the world owes to sorrow. Most of the Psalms were written or were born in the wilderness. Most of the epistles were written in prison. 
the greatest thoughts of the greatest thinkers have all passed through fire. The greatest poets have learned in soaring what they taught in songs. Take comfort, afflicted Christians, when God is about to make a preeminent use of the person, he puts them in fire. And that is so true. Fanny Crosby, at age six, I believe, she had an eye problem. She was taken to the doctor and was given a prescrip prescription. And that proved detrimental to her sight. It caused her to go blind. But it was during those times that she was able to spend time alone with God. It was during those times that she was able to see God and was able to pen songs like, All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? So take comfort, afflicted Christians. God is about to make a preeminent use of the person. When he's about to do that, he puts them in fire. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Do you believe that? Oh, yes. And I know that the Bible is full of instruction. Not you. Yes, man, it is there. Everything there is there to instruct us. It is also full of encouragement, exhortation, reproof, correction, and all for our benefits. And that is why sometimes, you know, we tend to go off track because we do not spend time in the word of God. We do not listen to our God. We do not listen to him. We keep talking and we talk and we talk, but we don't listen to God. And one of the ways in which we can listen to God is by reading his word. The Bible reveals, us the, sorry, reveals to us the need for vigilance. It's when you read the Bible, you know the time in which we are living. Not true. It's when we read the Bible, we know that we are living in a time of the end. When we look around us and when we see all the things that are happening, my friend, we are living in the time of the end. All these Everything that is happening, I was going to say somebody leave it. Everything that is happening, my friend, it is in fulfillment of God's words. I once listened to a sermon that says, bad news, good news. And I was fascinated by it. And I said to myself, why is it bad news and good news? And when I sat and I listened, and at the end of the sermon, I got up and I said, thank you, Jesus. The preacher spoke about um, the, the scripture was taken from St. Matthew chapter 24. And all the earthquake and all the famine, the, the descender, everything that the Lord said would happen, was happening, was going to happen, was, is actually happening. And he said, brethren, it is bad news, but it is good news because Jesus is coming soon. Are you hearing me, my friend? The Bible shows how God deals with his erring children. How God restores us, and most importantly, how he warns us 
before we fail. Do you agree with that? I love a lively church. And I like to hear a hearty amen. And I feel even more better when I hear praise the Lord. Because at least something is sinking in the heart. And the beautiful thing, beautiful thing about God is that when he restores us, he sends us off with a story. My friend, in Mark chapter, 9, verse 9, Mark chapter 5 verse 19 is a typical example. When the Lord healed the man, he said, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them. And do what? Tell them. How great things the Lord has done for thee and had, hath had compassion on thee. So you see, my friend, when the Lord restores us, he expects us to go and tell. You see, we are, we are you know, when it comes to testimony time and if the Lord heals us from any illness, we will stand up in church and say, I am a cancer survivor. But not many of us will say, I, I used to be all junkard out there, you know, man. I used to be a prostitute, you know. And I used to do that. And it is the blood of Jesus. Are you hearing me, my friend? We are quick to witness about the talk about the healing in our body. But we are not quick to talk about the healing in our soul. I am telling you, my friend, the Lord says, listen. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you do what? Prosper. Be in what? Health. And what he says next, even as thy soul prospered, so therefore it is the health, the wealth, but the prosperity of your soul, my friend. All three of them go together. Let us go back to the scripture reading. It is taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Underline Simon, Simon in your Bible now. Behold, underline, behold. Satan hath desire, underline desire, to have you, underline you, that he may sift, underline sift, you as wheat. Verse 32. But I have prayed, underline I have prayed, for thee, underline thee, that thy faith, Fail not. Underline faith, fail not. And when thou art converted, underline converted, strengthen, underline con um, strengthen thy brethren. Let us go through it again because I finish underline. You say, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let me tell you something. God allows Satan to sift us. Do you agree with that? Yes, man. He is not going to stop it. Not all the time he stops it. He is going to allow it for a reason. Look deep in the passage. The Lord is telling Peter that when you recover from the experience, that means he's going to recover. 
Are you hearing me, my friend? Look back on the scripture. He says, the devil has desired to have you that he may see if you are But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail you not. And when thou art. So it means now that what? Peter will what? Recover. So when he recovers, he is to do what? Strengthen his brethren. Strengthen the church. You see, we have to face certain situations in our lives in order to understand, in order to empathize, in order to sympathize with our brethren. Not true? Unless you go through similar or something close to what that person goes through before you can understand what the person is going through. Many of us, we are quick to draw, um, arrive at, draw judgment. We arrive at conclusion about people's situation. And we are ready to point finger and say, it couldn't happen to me. It couldn't happen to me. Peter was that kind of person. And as we continue this sermon, you are going to realize, it couldn't happen to me, Lord. All the others will do this. All the others will run away, but not me. But Jesus said to him, the devil hath desire to have you. My friend, this message has a warning, but thank God it has a message of hope. This message reveals God's amazing, wonderful grace. All this happened just before Jesus' crucifixion. And he looked at his church, that is his disciples. He saw how frail, how feeble and fragile they were. And in particular, Peter. And in deep pity and sympathy, he spoke those words to Peter. Let us understand something here. Let us look at the word sift. Sifting is a violent action. You'll agree with me. If you're saving the flower, you're not going to do this. Hmm? You're saving hard because you want whatever to come out, to come out, and what to remain, to remain. Not true. If those of us who know how we, could, we do bammies back home, and after you beat the, the cassava, and you put it in the sun and make it dry, then you're going to do what? Save. Right? And the final part, we use that to make what? The bami. And the, oh, my grandmother used not throw anything at all, you know. She go back and she beat it all over again. And she used that to make porridge and she used that to make dumpling and so forth. So nothing is lost where she's concerned. And, the, and the, the liquid, she used it for starch, to starch the clothes. So she never used to waste anything. And for those of us who know, yes, we said that already. Now, the action the Bible speaks about is an agricultural one, right? <clears throat> it is a violent shaking in which the grains are separated from the shaft. Not true. It is, all right. This reminds me again of when we used to do um, anato. You know anato? Yes, man. We used to pick the anato, <laughs> dry it in the sun, beat it. Then we put it in a big sieve and we shake it like that. And then shake and so the trash now blows out and leave the anato in the, in the sieve. Right? It is something similar to this. And it also reminds me too, my grandfather used to drink coffee. And it's not the one that you buy. Right? And we would sun that again. And we would beat it again. And then we would shake it and blow off all of the trash. And then the, 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 the berries... The, the seeds would be left inside of it. So this is something similar to what we are talking about now. The meat of God's message is that 
a shaking was about to take place and within in Peter and the other disciples' life. <coughs> in this shaking, Satan wants to treat all of us like shark, as garbage. He wants to treat all of us like shark of sin instead of wheat of grain, of grace. You see, notice that both is shaken. Both is shaken. You see, when God shakes his people, his people will not fall. That is what Amos 9 and verse 9 says. <clears throat> but Satan's sifting is destructive. Satan lies in ambush, seeking to destroy us. If he fails to destroy us, he will hurt us. He will disgrace us. He will place discouragement and he will place distress upon us. Satan will do anything to sift us. He wants to sift you violently so that you are eternally lost. You know that is his purpose. The message of Christ is applied to us today. A shaking will take place. Do you believe me? <coughs> it has happened to me who you see standing here. It has happened to Peter. It happened to other Bible characters. It will happen to you. Believe me, a day is coming when Satan will sift you. Satan will use all kinds of things <clears throat> or means to sift you. Listen to some of them. He will allow false doctrine to sweep into the church. Some people in Adventist church don't believe in paying tithes. In the church. Some people don't believe in foot washing. In the church. Some people don't believe in all kind of little things. And as a result of that, you will find you have one big congregation, but you have three different congregations in the one big congregation. Satan's method he's using to sift God's people. So you find if Sister Archer is preaching this Sabbath, one said, not come in because they don't want to hear Sister Archer. I am telling you, these are the things that Satan is using myself to sift the church and his people. Sometimes it can be the loss of a job. That is shaking. Because when you lose your job and when you look at all the, the, the bills and so forth to take care of, you start to wonder where is God in all of this. But Job, my friend, had a similar experience. And he did not wonder where is God. He said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him and trust him. <coughs> you see, God doesn't want us to understand him. He wants us to do what? Trust him. The songwriter says, when you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Well, what? While we what? Do his goodwill. He does what? He abides with us still and with everybody else who will do what? Trust him and obey him. Sometimes it is a breakup of a marriage. You know, sometimes, you know, we're married to some pharaohs. And when the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart to get Pharaoh out of your life, sometimes we keep hanging on to Pharaoh. 
and hanging on to Pharaoh. A lady told me the other day, she said, let me tell you something, Sister Archer. Sometimes when God is taking away from us, we are holding on to it. But not until it, uh, it eventually leaves us, then we understand God's handiwork in our life. Sometimes we are holding on to the job that is, allowing, that is causing us to work on the Sabbath. While God is preparing another job there for you where you don't have to work, not even weekends. Are you hearing me, my friend? Because all we can do now, we, we trust oh God only when we can see the way. <coughs> but God doesn't want us to do. He wants us to trust him regardless of. <coughs> Sorry about the coughing. I had flu last week, so I apparently I've still not recovered from it. Sometimes it can be your health. Sometimes it can be your health. Some people, when they get sick, some of them, instead of drawing closer to God in the friends, they push him out of their lives. Sometimes it is death of a loved one. We question, where is God? Well, let me tell you something. God is there. All right. He is there. Even Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But God was there, was there for him, his son. My friend, in verse 31, the Bible says, Simon, Simon, Peter and all the other disciples were going to be shaken. They will betray Jesus in the moment of crisis. When Jesus needed them most, that's when they would fail him. Are you hearing me? And it happens to us when the Lord is depending on us the most, that is when we fail him. Every one of us will soon be shaken. Unfortunately, like Judas, some will be eternally lost as a result of the shake. Have mercy, Jesus. But others, thank God, like Peter, will be ultimately saved. And what does the church say? Praise the Lord. By warning us early, the Lord wants us to be vigilant and to seek the preparation necessary. That is to put on the whole armor of God. We studied that last week. You see, if we are saved, our loss will depend on how we heed to Christ's message of grace. The message to Peter is the same message to us today. And though it is a message of warning, it is also a message of hope, a message of grace. Listen, my friend, how Jesus called Peter by his name. He did not say Peter as he was accustomed to calling him. He did not say Cephas, but he used Peter's original name, Simon. Simon. And he said it twice. By doing that, he really wants to catch Peter's attention. In the Bible, the doubling of name indicates a deep emotion and communicates a depth of burden. In Genesis 22, verse 11, Abraham, Abraham, just before he, he was about to kill his son, the Lord called him twice. So Abraham had to listen, pay attention. And what happened? There was a ram caught in the thicket instead of his son. Genesis 46, verse 2, Jacob, Jacob. Remember when Jake was concerned about moving down to Egypt? The Lord said, don't worry. I am ahead of you. I am ahead of you. 
in Exodus 3 verse 4, he said, Moses, Moses, when he wanted to catch his attention to send him down to Egypt. In 1 Samuel 3 verses 4 and 10, he, taught, he called to Samuel, 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 Samuel. In Matthew 23, verse 37, he looked over Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, he said, Martha, Martha. And saw in Acts chapter 9 and verse 4, he called Saul, Saul. Jesus himself said, My Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? The doubling of Peter's name, the Lord wants, by the doubling of Peter's name, the Lord wants to communicate a deeper revelation of what Satan was about to do. How do I know that this message is an act of grace? Is how Jesus begins the message. He said, Simon, Simon, behold. You see, behold in the Bible is an element of surprise and expectedness. It means to look out, to watch out, to observe very carefully. So when the Bible says, behold, he's telling you to be on the alert. It is no ordinary message the Lord was revealing to Peter. He said, be on the alert. <coughs> so he uses Peter's original name, Simon, Simon. And then he said, behold, my friend. So Peter must understand that this message is no pure, pure message. This message is not a sugar-coated message. This message is a, is a thus say the Lord message. This message is a true message. This message is the message for that time. He said to him, listen, Peter. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. Because you think that you're big and mighty in the church. You think that you, you're holier than thou. But listen to what I am saying, Peter. Are you saying, my friend, my, my friend? My friend, this message is designed to reveal the importance of the message. It is very important. Whatever else the Lord will say to Peter, he must understand that whatever Satan plans to do must be understood within the framework of God's loving grace. I remember when my daughter was about six or seven years my father lives, lived some distance from us. And I used to send his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So my daughter used to ride her bike, bicycle, and take my father's meal to him. She had to go down a steep hill. And every time I would say to her, don't ride down the hill. Walk down the hill. Come off the bicycle and walk down the hill. And I remember just something was in my belly. You know, telling me that she wasn't following my instruction. And one evening she was taking his meal. And I, when she rode out and she was on the road and I went to the fence and I said, Shay, remember to come off the bicycle. Don't ride down the hill. Man, no oh man, no oh man. It was not five minutes after somebody drove on bicycle, not down Shay, down the hill. I said, what? Down the hill? <laughs> when I went there, she wasn't even crying. Because she knew that she had disobeyed me. The tears, I mean, the, the blood was oozing down because her lip 
was split and her nose split and her head. And the blood was just oozing all over her face. And I was here just bawling off my head. And somebody came and said, but look how the mother cried at the picnic not even crying. <laughs> you see, the message was an important message. And I warned her before it happened. I said, do not ride down the hill. The Lord wanted to get Peter's attention and say, Peter, this is no ordinary message. I want you to pay attention to it, he says, my friend. And he said, in this case, he said to him, Satan had desire to have you. Satan had what? Desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat. In this case, it is Satan who seeks to sift us. In Amos, I quote it already. I'm going to do it again. In Amos chapter 9, verse 9, it is different. It is the Lord doing the sifting. And when the Lord do the sifting, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. The Bible says, for lo, I will command. And I will sift the house of Israel among all nations. Like as corn is sifted in a sieve. Yet will not the least grain fall upon the ground. Hallelujah. So when God's sifting people, people never go stand up strong same way. Are you hearing me, my friend? He said not one grain is going to drop on the ground. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Satan wants our faith to fail. You agree with that? Satan is a deadly enemy on the loose. Don't forget that. And it never appears as Satan. You see, the first time he came here on earth to do, to, to do his trickery, he appeared in the form of a beautiful serpent. You see, the serpent were so beautiful back then. They used to fly. And as they glide through the sky, the sun would reflect um, the color of their skin. And it, so Satan used that beautiful cre creature of God to, to cause sin upon this earth. So Satan never come as Satan. He is not somebody with fork sticking out of his head or horns. And with fork. He, the, Ellen White described him as a beautiful angel. And he, he works in me. He works in you, in our children, in our job, in our, in our bosses, and so forth. He works, my friend. He seeks to violently shake our faith. Because, listen to me, the, the, the Bible tells us that in the last days, we are going to hardly find people of faith on earth. And today, we can, we can look here. That is why the church is not full. Because people don't believe that God would provide. So they have to go to work. You see? They don't believe the Bible says, when you return what belongs to me. He said, I will open windows. Windows. He never said doors because <coughs> up here is different. But back home, we have less doors and more windows in our houses. So he said he's going to open what? Windows. And then he'll do what? Pour out his blessing. Are you hearing me, my friend? And if he says he's going to do that, he have to do it because he's not a liar. He never tells a lie. Are you hearing me, my friend? And he said he conquer worm when you plant a vineyard. He said he can't devour it. The story is told of this family in, in Africa. They plant corn. And it happened that um, back, you know, wherever that is, locusts would devour and destroy their farm. And one day, the locusts, they were coming like, you know, when hurricane coming and the wind, and you see the, that 
breeze and the heavy, the heavy um, cloud rolling towards you. That's what it looked like. And the parents got anxious about it. You know, and they were saying, man, we are going to lose our crops. And the little girl said to daddy, daddy, don't you pay your tithes and offering? Daddy said, yes. He said, but remember the Lord tells us that if we are faithful to him, he will not allow the locusts to devour. And he, he, she said to, to, to his father, come, let us go inside and remind the Lord. Let us go and remind him that he said that. And they went inside and they knelt down and they prayed. And they said, Lord, they claim his promise. A little child led them and she claimed the promise of God. And he said, you said that, Lord. You said that. When they came back out, it's as if, like, you know, when you're doing a pathfinder and you say, about turn. And you just make an about turn. It's like it's, they made an about turn. And the locust that was coming towards their farm, gone in the opposite direction. Let me tell you something, we need to trust God. We need to believe in him. Because he says that he will provide. And he must provide. He's not a liar. He's not a liar. He will, my friend. You see? Don't fool yourself. There's a deadly enemy out there. <laughs> if you allow him, he will destroy you. Are you hearing me, church? Let me tell you something. We, look here. Coming to church should not be just another, not, not a place to go. It should not be another place to go, my friend. Because sometimes that is what the church looks like. Because, you know, when we come to worship, there are few people who participate in worship. Don't know if you understand me. Few people who participate in worship, rise and let us sing this song of praise to God. Lord have mercy if you see some of the faces. Some people can't get up. And although nothing wrong with their knees, although they're not sick, they can't get up. You see? And I'm telling you, my brother, um, um, there's a song that says, what if God is not pleased with our praise? What if God, I always say that. You know, when I sit in the church and I, I say, God, what if you're not pleased with my praise? Huh? We need to come into church with a different attitude. I, will, I notice, and I'm not dropping any word for anybody. I'm just talking the truth. I notice, you know, when we have to go to our jobs, we'll get up at odd hours in the morning. And we have to be there on time. We have to be there on time. But when it comes to church, God have to wait for me. <laughs> we have to change our attitude towards worship. It has to change. If we are going there, it has to change, my friend. You see, Peter himself described the devil as a roaring lion. And an ordinary lion, you know. Jesus is described as a lion of the tribe of Judah. No ordinary lion either. He breaks every chain, not Rastafari, not Selassie, but it's Jesus who breaks every chain. Are you hearing me, my friend? But yet, this Satan is described as a roaring lion. A roaring lion is a destructive lion. Are you hearing me, my friend? It's a lion on the warpath for souls, precious souls. You see, the war that started there in heaven, I got to end here on earth. Are you hearing me, my friend? And if we allow the devil, he will rip us to pieces like how the, the lion rips his prey. 
My friend, no one is beyond the possibility of spiritual failure. No care how you're, you're big in a church. You could have known everything subtle. You can sing like a, I'm going to say Lucifer. Because he wasn't the devil then. You could sing like Lucifer. You could preach like Paul or like Jesus. We are not beyond. Only one man succeed against the devil, and it's Jesus. Only one man, my friend. Satan has desire to have you. This is referred to all the disciples as it appears in the plural in the original. You hear, when, when the Lord said, Satan has desire to have you, he's speaking to the church. Everybody. Desire here means he, he, he wants to, to obtain you. Probably ask and obtain you like with Job. You remember Satan come up and him and, you know, Jesus didn't have them worship and him have to come. You know, the devil, every little thing, an egg, in a feed, and niggle. You walk at the egg. And they're having any happy with him and come and he, he want permission. I learned something from this. The devil has to ask permission to touch any one of us. He has to ask permission. And when the Lord allows it, he knows why. He knows why, my friend. But he said, I have prayed, meaning that he was what? He has been doing it already. Not only for that moment he had prayed, but he has been doing it already. Are you hearing me? Although our children might backslide, but because we have been praying for them already. Hallelujah! The day will come where they are going to come back. Are you hearing me, my friend? I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, and I'm still praying for you, my friend. And then he says, when he says, and I've prayed for thee, he was pointing at Peter this time. You. You. Why Peter? Because already he saw leadership quality in Peter. Are you hearing me, my friend? He knew what Peter would accomplish under the power of the Holy Spirit, my friend. And he knew, my friend, that he was in most danger. Because let me tell you something, my friend. Um, the devil, you know. All right, let me go down this okay, nice sermon. God singled out Peter for a special prayer. You see why? Because Jesus understands that the devil seeks to destroy, especially, especially leaders. People who mean God and who mean to serve him. Are you hearing me, my friend? He knows that. And he knows that Satan will violently shake the leaders. Let me tell you something, man. That is why we have to pray for our pastors. That is why we have to pray for our elders. Because let me tell you, there are men like, let me speak it again, like passion. You know that scripture? Right, that same one. There are men, my friend, who has weakness. Only one person stood up to the devil and never failed and was Jesus, my friend. Only Jesus alone, my friend. You see, um, Noah, look what Noah accomplished. And after the flood, they found him drunk. Are you hearing me, my friend? Abraham lied. When he went to Egypt, he said, tell them, say, you're not my wife, you're my sister. Moses, he said, he sinned there in, in, in the wilderness, my friend. David, we know David's record, an adulterer and murderer. Peter, we know him, boaster, love curse, bad word. Samson, you know about Samson, love woman, woman and weakness. 
and Solomon and the womanizer. Yeah? Satan will sift you and he will strike at any time. He will strike you at your strength. And that is something I learned from the sermon. He will strike you from your strength, not your weakness, because he knows your weakness. He will strike you from your strength. He will strike you when you think you are strong. Satan looks for the strongest amongst us. He doesn't bother those who are playing church because he knows that they belong to him already. Are you hearing me, my friend? Satan does not. You know, worry those who are playing church. But the one who mean to go ahead, the one who mean Jesus, that's the one he buff and battle and knock them. And sometimes we wonder, say, Lord, have mercy. I was going through some things the other day. And when I thought everybody was against me, including Jesus, one Friday evening I went to my bed. And I just heard the voice. God has not forsaken you. Man, I got up. And I went into my bathroom because that is my closet, you know. My bathroom is my closet. And I sat there in the toilet. And I said, God, you mean that? You really mean that you have not forsaken me? All that I've done? And he said, I have not forsaken you. And I just prayed and gave God thanks. The tears just flowed from my eyes, my friend. And I gave God thanks. And I said, thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me. Thank you. And because of that, I don't watch what people say anymore. Are you hearing me, my friend? I don't watch what nobody says, my friend. Because it is all about Jesus and what he says. Are you hearing me, my friend? It is about you because Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 9, 15. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. May I go too far? My brain now function like my mouth. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Are you hearing me, my Don't beat your chest and say that can't happen to you. Don't beat your chest and don't look down on somebody and say that can't happen to you. My friend, let me tell you something. The devil is targeting you. And he is stronger than you. You see, remember Peter. When Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, at first they thought it was a ghost coming. But when they look closely and they see Jesus, and when Jesus talked, they realized they are him. And Peter said, Lord, since you do that, let me do it too. Are you hearing me, my friend? And Jesus said, welcome, welcome. You see, and Peter went. He, he just stepped out in faith, believing. Just stepped out in faith. But the time he saw beating chest and said, what, and me, this a walk by water? You think it's only because he looked away? It's not only because he looked away, because pride filled his heart now. And he started to say, and me, this a walk by water? And he started to sink. And that is what happened to us. Amid that preacher, the sermon, then we start to sink. Give God the glory in everything, my friend. Give God all glory, all honor belong to God and God alone. It's not about Sister Archer. It's not about her presentation. It's about the Holy Spirit work. It's, I am reading something now that the, the, praying, the, minister, the praying minister. And it says that sometimes some ministers are just letter preachers. Letter preachers. They have, they, 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 they have learned and they have studied. They know what to put on paper. They know what to present to the people. But it is, no, it is not effective. 
Are you hearing me, my friend? But the preacher who depends on God. The preacher who depends on God is the preacher who, upon the deliberation of their, of their message, my friend, will change the lives of people. The Holy Spirit will work with them. You see, he struck Peter <clears throat> when Peter thought he was strong. Because he said, if all these deny and forsake you, I will not. Peter did not know himself. My brother, you don't know you. Satan know you more than how you know. Why you think when time you're dead, then say so you don't come back? Because Satan know you and he impersonates you. Are you hearing me, my friend? Peter did not know himself. The devil can sift you. That is why the Lord has warned us ahead of time. The message did not stop there. It's also a message of hope. He said, but I have prayed for thee. And I want to stop my feet. And I want to jump up. And I want to say thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for praying. This songwriter said, Jesus prayed. He prayed. Jesus prayed. All the way to the grave. He said from the manger to the cross. Not a moment he had lost. Jesus prayed. Oh yes, he prayed. Oh yes, he said, thy, I pray that thy faith fail not. You see, the Lord knows that he would, he, would, he would fail partially. But not totally. If he had failed totally, he would have hung himself like Judas. But because he failed partially. You know, when he looked at Jesus. You know, when he denied Christ and he cut crew and he remembered Jesus' words and he looked at Jesus and Jesus looked back at him and he, there was something that passed between them. No word was spoken, but there was something that was passed between them. And Ellen White says, Peter ran from the hall and he ran back to get enemy and he knelt in the very spot that Jesus knelt and he cried out. He cried out. He cried out. He said, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. Are you hearing me, my friend? He cried out. He said, take me just as I am. Are you hearing me, my friend? He cried out. He cried out. And he begged and he pleaded. He pleaded. And it was a different Peter that walked from Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Some of us need to go back to Gethsemane. Some of us need to go back into the same spot where Jesus knelt. And some of us need to cry out. Put down pride. Put down pride. We need to cry out, my friend. Let me tell you something. I have a sermon about Judas. I don't think anybody ever preached that yet. But he just came to me one night. I was lying down. And the Lord gave me the sermon. And I got up and I just wrote it down. And there was something different with Judas. Don't you think that the same amazing grace was available to Judas? As it was available to Peter? It was. It was. Because although Peter said, I won't deny you. I won't do it. But he did it. But there was a difference. Peter looked in the eyes of Jesus. Only a look makes a difference. The song says, look upon Jesus. Sinless is he. Father, impute his life unto me. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe, covered, hallelujah, with his life, whiter than snow. If Judas had looked, only a look, the song says, only a look. My friend, 
And he says, um, when thou art converted, that is, when you are brought back afresh, when you, are, when, you have, when you have humbled yourselves, when you have cried out like David, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, when you have done all of that, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this great wickedness. When you have done that, he said, you are to strengthen. That is, you are to make use of this bitter experience for the fortifying of thy tempted brethren. Because they too, they too will be sifted. They too will be tempted. They too, my friend, will have their experience. So Peter... When it comes to that time, remember you. Remember what you went through. And remember that my grace, my grace was sufficient for you. Remember that, Peter, in dealing with your erring brethren. Are you hearing me, my friend? Some of us, we just want to tear down. And we want to throw out and throw away. But we must remember. Remember that Jesus prayed. Jesus said, you will return. Hallelujah. Yes, although Peter, although you're going to deny me, although you're going to be who you are, but you will return. And that is why, my friend, just before Jesus left, he called Peter. He said, Peter, thou son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter said, yes, Lord. Nice smile on his face. Jesus gave him a little bit, you know, just a pause. Let me say, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said, yes, Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter, temperies. Hey, the Bible saying get angry now. See, Peter, temper come from down here, so, and he come up here, so, and he was going to say something. And then you remember the sweet Jesus. You remember Jesus' shed blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He remember seeing him stretched there on the cross. He remember the blood oozing from the cross, my friend. He remembered Jesus when he said, I've prayed for you. He remembered him, my friend. He remembered him as he agonized there in the garden. He remembered the sweat that turned to blood. Oh, yes, he remembered Jesus. He remembered how he washed his feet. He remembered how he ate the broken bread and the wine that symbolizes Jesus' blood. He remembered. And he remembered that Jesus alone knows everything. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He remembered. He remembered Jesus. And he said, I don't know myself. Only you alone know. Oh, yes. Only Jesus knows us. He said, I don't know. Because I thought I love you enough to stand up there in that hall. And said to my accuser, yes, I am his follower. I thought I knew you enough to stand up to my accuser and say, yes, he is my friend and my Lord. I thought I knew you enough, but I don't know myself. Only you know. 
Are you hearing me? Only you know, Jesus. Only you know. And he said, feed my sheep. Only Jesus knows us. Only him, my friend. And let me tell you something. The time is coming. If it has not yet started, it is coming. But let me tell you, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Despise what the devil will do to you. If you allow God, you will return. You might be sitting there now and saying that sermon is not for me. But of it all are we. It is for you. It is for me. Because our time is coming. I have got, gone through so many shaking that believe you me, me must start to walk like I went leaf a trim of a tree now. I have gone through so, so much, my friend. But let me tell you something. God has always come through for me. And that is why I now sing the song. Whatever it takes to draw me close to you, Lord, that's what I'm willing to do. Whatever it takes, my friend, because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Are you hearing me, my friend? All the wealth that you're going to accomplish here, you're going to die and you're going to leave it. All the wealth that you'll accomplish here, my friend, you're going to leave it someday. You're going to leave it. All that will matter is your, your relationship with Jesus. That's all that matters. So when we can't come to church because we have to work, we're going to die and leave it and go to hell. I'm telling you the truth. When we are too busy doing other things that we can't worship God, we are going to die and we are going to go to hell. When we are too busy to have worship, to sit down and talk to God in the morning, we are going to die and go to hell. I am telling you, my friend, when we are otherwise minded, Oh, God, the time is against me. But the Holy Spirit is somehow holding. Let me tell you something. The sermon is finished there, you know. Let me tell you something, my friend. We are going to go to hell coming to church. I don't know if you understand that. We are going to go to hell coming to church. Last week, or I must say this week, the lotto was 500 million. And North Adventists buy it because they want to reach but my father is rich in houses and land. And he holdeth, hallelujah, the wealth of this world in his hand. I don't need any riches here on earth, my friend. Because my Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. He has gone to prepare a place for me. So that I will dwell with him forever. All the wealth of this world. Let me tell you something. God has given you enough for you to survive on this earth. Satisfy with it. The Bible says in all things, give thanks. Satisfy with what God blessed you with. You might not be able to drive a Lexus or a BMW, but you can drive a Corolla. I God give you, satisfy with it. I close now. If we allow the Lord, we will rise again. Are you hearing me, my friend? If we allow him, we will rise again. What happened to Peter can happen to us. If we can, if Peter can fall, we can fall too. If Peter can rise, we will rise too. My friend, and if Peter can come back, then any one of us can come back. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope.
when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word. What a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will. Just listen, man. While we do his good will, he abides. He abides. But some of us only want from God what we don't want to give to God. So while we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. My brothers, my sisters, Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, he is coming to take home his precious people. Just let me share this song with you. I went to visit the shrine of plenty, but found its storerooms all filled with dust. I bowed at altars of gold and silver, but as I knelt there, they turned to rust. So I'll worship only at the feet of Jesus, his cup alone, my holy cradle. There'll be no other gods before him, just Jesus only will never fail. The call of fortune, and I think it is fitting, made me a pilgrim to journey to things promised us. But as I climbed, the promise faded, and wind blew lonely all through the night. Just desert dust and empty shadows, all promises turned to lies. The gods offer fail and betray me. You alone are truth and life. My friend, as we journey on this pathway, let us remember that everything here will turn to dust. And God alone, only God alone, my friend, is truth and life. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. We pray that you have been blessed by the word of God. We are also encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch the lives of others. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at savinggracesda.org.